We have a lot of special guest friends, uh, Wynn and Aaron Valkamp from Sugarland, Texas, relatives of several people in the church, and their, their children are here. My son Stephen and Maddie Rosser, all the way from Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, a lot of other guests. We just, we're so glad you joined us today. Very special guest would be Derek and Amanda Blaylock and their four wonderful children. So in August of 2018, we sent out a church plant from our church. And Derek and Amanda are the pastors of that church plant. It's in Live Oak. And um, God is really blessing. I've had the privilege of being out there two or three times in fairly recent times. And I just think the world of this man. Um, and I've asked him, so a couple of weeks ago, not even that long, I think he called me and shared with me something that the Lord had put on his heart, an insight, and it just blessed me so much. It, it's been very influential even in the preparation of the sermon today. So Derek, take some time, tell us what's happening with your church, and share what the Lord has shown you. Yeah, I can do that. Good morning, friends. How are you all? Happy New Year's, happy new decades, I hope, for you all. Um, I want to share a little bit about with you what's going on. And when Amanda and I went out from Mission Vineyard, uh, at the time I was working, I'm still bivocational, but I was working in a national capacity and I was traveling way too much. So I uh, switched companies about this time, you know, last year. And when I interviewed with them, they painted me a very optimistic picture of their endeavor. And then when I showed up the first day, I found out they were insolvent <laughs> in, in so many ways. They had been paying vendors. And so, you know, we stuck along. We tried to make it work. Um, but I didn't handle the situation well. I found myself impatient with people, easily frustrated, uh, not always showing up the way that I wanted to. Combine that with I went to the hospital emergency room for two still as of yet undiagnosed conditions twice in this season about last year. And I wanted for 2019, I wanted to show up in a different way. I wanted to welcome Jesus into all of my life in a way that I hadn't this time last year. So I began to take advantage of two things. One is... Uh, one of the discipleship tools we use in the vineyard is called the Enneagram. Anybody here ever heard of that? Enneagram? We have a couple Enneagrammers. Huh? What's your number? Five? Of course you are. <laughs> in the best possible way. Um, so I, I began to use that discipleship tool. What that does is kind of help you understand your motivations a little more, understand how you show up in situations, understand why you do what you do when you're in stress and why you do what you do when you're in health. And so I'm an Enneagram 8. They call that the challenger. Some people call it the jerk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes. <clears throat> it just helped me understand, like, from a personal perspective, I don't have a wide emotional landscape. I don't use my emotions. I don't suppress them. I just don't pay attention to them. Except all of one key characteristic of all Enneagram 8s is that we have pretty easy access to anger. And I was using my easy access to anger, and it was being expressed in frustration, that situation. I wasn't 
being a jerk or being a bully. It just wasn't using it correctly, right? In January of this year, uh, my wife and I got the opportunity to go to a Multiply Vineyard conference for new church plants. That was in Miami, Florida. It was 80 degrees in January, which is about like Texas and that whole lot different. And we went through a course called Faith Walking. I think we're going to do that this year, or at least we've discussed somewhere in Texas. I would encourage you all to go to that. And um, what Faith Walking is is another vineyard tool to to kind of let the Lord show you where you show up in habitual disobedience due to past things that have happened in your life. Something happened to you, you made a negative vow, you continually show up in disobedience even if you don't realize it, and it gives you an opportunity to change your mind about that, to repent, to welcome Jesus into it, and to be transformed into the likeness of Christ in it. So in those two things, one of the first day in the workshop, they invite you to take some time and allow the Holy Spirit to show you things in your life where he wants to heal or to magnify and and bring out. He showed me five instances in my life. I had forgotten all but one of them, but they were still having an impact on my character and the way I interacted with people and the way I treated my family and my coworkers and and all that. And, And some of them were good and some of them were not so good. So it was kind of both. But then he showed me another thing. Uh, I had this very loving, intense, sweet encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he, he took me to, in my mind, in this, in this prayer time. This is a mystical experience, but it's what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up sometimes. He showed me how he created my personality. And yes, I have easy access to anger and frustration. But what he showed me is that the very core, the very center of my being, is this bright furnace of joy. And sometimes what I do is I kind of of put a bushel over that almost, or I put a cage around it. But the most true thing about Derek is not easy access to anger. It's actually easy access to joy. And that was life-giving, as you can imagine. And I've tried to lean into that. Six months later... I've switched companies to a company that can pay their bills, got a church plant going, we're doing okay. It's Advent season. We just wrapped that up. One of the things that we did was participate with the Nationwide Vineyard. They put out an Advent series each year, and this one was called The Invitation. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, and we spent some time as a church in our service after worship, instead of me standing up here and preaching at you all, It took some time to contemplate and listen to the Holy Spirit through this guided meditation and prayer time. And it was amazing. Each week, Holy Spirit showed up in an amazing way in our church. People got touched, they got transformed, they heard from God. Uh, About eight weeks ago, my current client experienced... uh, a contractual malfunction, and it was up to us to fix it. So for the past eight weeks, I've been leaving my house at 4.30 in the morning. I get home at 7.30, 8.30 at night, working a lot of hours. It's very challenging. We have four small kids. We have a church. I occasionally like to see my wife <laughs> every day. <laughs> it was a challenging time, but I really am showing up in a different way this time. 
So it was in the uh, Advent Sunday about peace. And during that time, I had another very powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a, something akin to a vision. Let's just call it that. And in that, Jesus came and he took me back to that furnace of joy. It's in the middle of my heart. But what, he, what was different this time is there was this big pile of coal. It was like this high, even higher. But it was labeled adversity. And in it, he would walk up, and he had this big shovel, and he would take this adversity, and he would shovel it into the furnace of my joy. And he would dig that adversity in, and he would shovel it into the furnace of joy. And what he showed me is that the trials, the tough times in our life, are an opportunity, if we'll take it, if we'll welcome Jesus into it, that adversity can become fuel in the furnace of joy and in the furnace of communion with Christ and in the furnace of character formation of Christ. And so when James says something like this, he opens his letter with these words. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. How many of you in here are like, yeah, whatever, James? <laughs> I don't believe you. I didn't believe James until I did. Until I had an encounter with Jesus. Until Jesus showed me that he can take trials of many kinds and turn that into fuel for character development and Christ-likeness and joy. And then James goes on to say, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete. Lacking in nothing. What does it mean to be lacking in nothing? It means you get to have Jesus. When you've got him, you've got everything. And the place where that happens is adversity. And if you can welcome Christ into that adversity, he can turn it into pure joy. Amen. Thank you, Derek. I've gotten to know Derek over the last three and a half years, and Amanda, and the four happiest children I've ever met, as you all would agree with me that know these Blaylock kids. And, uh, I mean, this family, what you see is what you get. Authentic, through and through, willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus. It's wonderful. Stand with me for just a moment, one more time. <clears throat> if you feel comfortable doing this, would you just sort of make a cup out of your hands if you feel comfortable <clears throat> doing that? So, Lord, we do welcome you into our lives. We welcome you into all of our lives. We welcome you into our adversity, into our difficult circumstances. And we want to invite you this year 
to take that black stuff, that adversity, and shovel it into your furnace and turn it into joy in our lives, Lord. And we pray now, Lord Jesus, for your Holy Spirit to move in the rest of our service, in the sermon, and in our prayer time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So when I had that conversation with Derek, it led me to think of focusing on Jesus. So I'm calling this sermon 2020, like 2020 vision, 2020 focus for 2020, Jesus. And by the way, for those who are guests today, our lead pastor, John O'Reilly, and his family are up in New England this week. So come back next week and meet our lead pastor. So our mission, at, our statement, our mission statement at Mission Vineyard is to welcome Jesus into all of life. This includes inviting him into our adversity, but it is much broader than that. When we focus on Jesus, we are bound to welcome him into all of our life. When, you, when Jesus gets your attention, when you see Jesus, when you become aware of Jesus, uh, and you really focus on him, then you want to invite him into all of your life. It just happens because he is fantastic. And this has led me directly to the book of Hebrews, which I think is 13 chapters long, and we're going to do all of Hebrews today. So forget your lunch plans. No, I'm just joking. But what I want us to do today is to focus on Jesus. So this is not going to be a sermon that's so much about things for you to do, except for this one thing, to focus on Jesus. And we're just going to have a meal today, a, a wonderful a wonderful excursion into the book of Hebrews uh, to get better acquainted with Jesus. So I first heard about Jesus probably, you know, in the time before I can even remember, but I do not remember a time of not believing in Jesus. Uh, I was raised in a strong Christian family. Uh, I wasn't, however, converted. I wasn't truly born again until I was almost 19. But I've always known about Jesus from the age of 18 and three-fourths. I've known Jesus in a very powerful way. And I've made my whole life a career around studying his scriptures and getting to know Jesus better. But I tell you what, going into Hebrews this week, there's new stuff here. How many of you have found out that when you really dig into the Bible, there's always new stuff? It's amazing. It's incredible. It's so, so just soak it in today. Just soak it in. So the, the, the primary concept we're going to find in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, a passage that I've preached on several times, maybe even here, a passage that some of us here who grew up in a certain church in Houston, we know a fantastic song to this passage. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I put in the text there, focus on Jesus. That's what it's saying. One of the translations I consulted said that. Focus on Jesus, the pioneer 
and perfecter of faith. And pioneer can be author. It's a word that's a fantastic word in Greek. It can be, and my favorite translation of the word is trailblazer. Trailblazer, but I couldn't find a translation that said that. So we'll just do the Herschel translation here. The, the trailblazer and perfecter, the one who blazes the trail and gets us there in our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Is this too loud? No? Okay. <clears throat> it, it's sounding so loud to me that I sound really important, and I like that, you know. So, no, not really. So what a fantastic passage of Scripture. So as we, as we meditate on, on this thing that Derek has brought us, um, that Jesus, when we invite Jesus in, when we welcome Him into adversity, <clears throat> He can turn adversity into joy. <clears throat> look, at, look at the adversity that He had. Uh, he was, you know, no one has ever suffered like Jesus at the hand of other people. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about his suffering. But that, that suffering, his father turned into joy for him. So Jesus even blazed the trail for us in that, Derek. In what he does in our life, his father did in his life. So we're going to just look at, if we get to him, seven, seven key concepts that come out of the book of Hebrews about Jesus. And the first one is Jesus died your death. Jesus died your death. Hebrews 2.9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. That means Jesus died your death. And you say, well, I'm a human being, and one of these days I'm going to die. He didn't stop that from happening. Well, No. Everyone who isn't, you know, alive when Jesus comes back, we're all going to die. Everybody in this room is going to die unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, which he well may. Would you say amen? He, he well may come back within our lifetime. Absolutely. But every, otherwise, every one of us is going to die. So how can we say Jesus died our death? Well, he was God who became a human being, God cannot die. But as a human being, Jesus, right in the middle of human history, He's the trailblazer for us. God in, you know, Jesus being God and being fully human, He walks through death, actual physical death. So when time does come for you to physically die, if that happens, you will know Jesus already walked this path. He blazed this trail. He knows what it's like. He knows the fear. I mean, look at him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He sweat blood thinking about what he was about to suffer, thinking about all that the cross would mean. And so isn't it fantastic to know that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is acquainted with death? He knows what it's like to die. So you can never be alone in death. And if that doesn't make you happy, I'll say hallelujah for you. Hallelujah. 
And I have been present several times for the death of Christians. And it's not always pleasant. Sometimes it hurts. But I tell you what, I've never been with a Christian who was afraid at death. They weren't afraid. They might be afraid of pain. They might be afraid of the medical instruments. You know, they might be afraid of all the tubes and everything. But if you're in Jesus, if you're in Jesus, you're not afraid to die because Jesus has blazed that trail. And he came out on the other side. And so that's exactly what's going to happen to us. But it's not just physical death. He is the trailblazer for spiritual death. Well, how did he die spiritually? Well, well, on the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus, Jesus embraced separation from God to even know what that's like. He was God in the flesh. But as a human being... He experienced separation from His Father on our behalf. That is an incredible truth. That is a different kind of death. So each one of us has faced the death of a loved one. Jesus has blazed that trail for us. Each of us will one, one day die if Jesus hasn't come back first. He blazed that trail for us. All of us have known what it means to be separated from God. Jesus knows that too. That's what the Scriptures mean when it says He suffered death so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. You are part of that everyone. Jesus Christ tasted death for you. Wow. Secondly, Jesus being perfected saved us through His suffering. Hebrews 2.10 And bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer, the trailblazer of their salvation, perfect through what he suffered. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did the author of the Hebrews make a mistake? I thought Jesus was perfect. He was God. We talked last week about this baby in the manger. He's God in the flesh. He never sinned. Well, why did he need to be made perfect? made perfect well he it's true he's God in the flesh Emmanuel but he is untested so Jesus Christ is the second Adam Adam and Eve flunked the test they never became perfect they never became complete perfect can mean complete they never achieved what God intended humanity to achieve Well, Jesus Christ was tempted in every way that it's possible for a human being to be tempted. He was directly confronted by the devil himself. Actual encounter with Satan. And he said no to temptation. And when it came to physical suffering, he said, Father, I don't want to do this. But if it's what I need to do, I'll do your will. And he went through the pain and death Uh, the pain and suffering of the cross. So Jesus Christ was tested and came out perfect. Did you see that? He, He was already sinless, but something was added to him in that he passed the test. And we read this further in Hebrews 4.14. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
so he's able to empathize with our weakness because of what he's done. And then Hebrews 5, 7, and 8. Again, it's going to deal with this same theme of him being made perfect. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He passed the test. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So that's why we call this Jesus being perfected saved us through his suffering. If you like this, would you say, wow? Wow. Three, by his death, Jesus broke the power of the devil and freed us from the fear of death. Let me read that again. By his death, Jesus broke the power of the devil and freed us from the fear of death. So Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Did you know that was in the Bible? <laughs> did you know that was... Did you, have you ever focused on that scripture before? As he blazed the trail through death, he did something we cannot do. He did something Adam and Eve failed to do. He confronted the devil and he defeated him. His doom is sure. He gave the devil a terminal head wound. The devil stung his heel on the cross, but Jesus stomped on the devil's head. And his doom is sure. The devil's doom is sure. He still has limited power. His rage is massive because he knows his time is short. If you don't know that's in the Bible, it's in, it's in Revelation chapter 12. The devil hates us and still has some power. He knows his time is short and he's enraged against the church of Jesus Christ. But, but Jesus has robbed him of the power of death and freed us from our fear of death. Don't you love Jesus? My goodness, what has Jesus done for us? What was it like for Jesus, I wonder, as he encountered the devil? I mean, the scriptures do not go into detail on that. But it, there's this amazing verse in 2 Corinthians, which maybe 1 Corinthians, which says, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, which says, if the God of this age had known what was going to happen, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So it's like he's, he thinks he's dragging his prey down uh, to hell. I mean, I've shared this with this church before, but what happens is there's this atomic bomb that goes off in the pit of hell. And it's the powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow. How wonderful that is. But this being freed from the power of death, I recently read a long and fantastic biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor who took a stand against Hitler, ended up in prison, 
And right before, I mean, just very shortly before the end of the war, Hitler had him murdered. And he knew he was going to die. He was taken to a place of execution. And the witnesses to his execution said it was a wonder to behold how he knelt, spent time with Jesus, committed himself to God, and rose up to go and be hanged. You see, he was freed from the fear of death because he knew what Jesus had done for him. Number four, Jesus' suffering enables him to help us when we are tempted and to help us face adversity. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, temptation doesn't just mean, you know, that the devil's trying to get you to sin. The word temptation also means being tried, being tested. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, sometimes the trial is what we usually call a temptation, and sometimes it's an adversity. But you see, how, how Jesus can turn our adversity into joy is he knows how because he went through it himself. Isn't that what the scripture says? He himself suffered when he was tempted so he can help you. Does that encourage you? I mean, just stop and think right now. What adversity might you be facing in your life? Maybe it's some sin in your own life that you haven't been able to get victory over. Maybe it's a problem in a relationship. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a relational problem with a relative. What's the adversity in your life? Jesus is able to do what he showed Derek because he suffered temptation and he's able to come to your aid. Number five, therefore we approach God boldly. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That's Jesus. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So because Jesus was tempted in every way, we just said a minute ago, he's able to help us in our test, in our temptations, but also he's blazed the trail into the very throne room of God the Father, and he says, come on in. Now, let me just say this. I've said this in this church here, and my son Stephen has heard me say this before. We tend to stand outside the throne room saying, unworthy, unworthy, unworthy. And if you just will listen, you'll hear the Lord saying, that's the password. Come on in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because Jesus blazed that trail. He's gone before us. His wounds, his death, his resurrection are the, are the trail that's blazed into the very presence of God the Father. And God the Father just welcomes us just like He does Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has blazed that trail for us. Number six, Jesus saves us completely. And He is interceding for us 
right now. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore, He is able to save completely through and through every atom of your being, everything in your past, everything in your future, everything in your present. He is able to save you completely, you who come to God through Him because He's blazed the trail. And He always lives to intercede for you. And intercession means the Father looks on what Jesus has done on your behalf. And it's enough. It's enough. If you ever refuse to come to the Father because of shame, you're basically saying what Jesus did was not enough. But it is enough. Praise the Lord. For by one sacrifice, Hebrew 10, 14, for by one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So there's two things going on here. One is, the moment you truly believe in Jesus and ask Him into your life, ask Him to forgive you your sins and invite the Holy Spirit in, He declares you perfect. He declares that you have access to the throne room of God. You come as you are because you are in Jesus. But also the reality is that however, however long you're going to live from that point, He's going to be working to make you actually holy. He's going to be working to transform you into his own character. You believe that? It's an ongoing process. A big word for it is sanctification. But you know, we don't wait for all of the blessings of God and the presence of God and the answered prayers and the worship of God and enjoying God until we are fully holy. Uh, you know, like reflecting on ourselves. How critical are you of yourself? How often have you refused to just enjoy the Lord and give yourself fully to Him because you're ashamed or embarrassed about something in His presence? Well, He said, I have already made you perfect. I declare you perfect. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. And while you come on in, I'll be working to make you actually holy. And it will take your whole life to do that. But He's going to do it. He's going to make you holy. This is awesome. To me, this is awesome. It is unbelievable. And the last passage of many, 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 many passages about Jesus in Hebrews. Jesus will come again, bringing salvation, bringing our resurrection, bringing eternal life, bringing a new heaven and a new earth. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, because He already did that, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Get your focus on Jesus, man, woman. I've just shared seven things. Just seven. Just the book of Hebrews has several score things about Jesus. Think about the whole New Testament. If you'll just soak yourself in your understanding of Jesus and the presence of Jesus, you will be transformed. You're, you will have 2020 focus on Jesus in 2020. So I want us to stand together if we would and if we could. Do you have 
some scriptures, some uh, words from the Lord that were prayed for earlier. We have a team that prays every week before the service. And they wait on God for impressions of things the Lord wants to deal with or help people with. And we're going to have prayer teams right over there by the Christmas tree. And if these words speak to you, you're invited to go. So if someone needs clarity for their life. Your heart is yearning to be in sync with the signs of the Holy Spirit, which are all around you. So that could be two different people. It could be several people. It could be one person. But our prayer teams are not only for people responding to those words. Therefore, anyone who needs prayer for anything, for any adversity. So if our prayer team folks would, would prepare themselves to serve us. While they do that, I just want to pray for you. So, Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, this has not been a sermon of telling us what to do except to focus on Jesus. And we just soaked in, we've just soaked in some truths about what Jesus has done for us. Lord, encourage us all, fill us all with your Holy Spirit. Make Jesus real to us. So I wonder, is there anybody here that you would like for me to pray with you? And you say, something has triggered here. Some desire has been created in me to know Jesus, and I don't really know him, but I want to know him. Is there anybody like that? You just say, that's me. I really want to know Jesus, and I don't really know him. Anybody? Well, I'll be hanging around up here. If that's you, you just come to me and let me pray with you. And start you in that way. But if you need prayer for any reason, go to these folks over here. And I'm going to bless you now. <clears throat> and um, please, if you're our guest today, fill out one of those cards and give it to me or leave it on the table over there. And uh, we want to get to know you. So I bless you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the precious name of Jesus Christ who suffered and died for us that we might be free of suffering and free of death. I bless you now in the name of Jesus for a fantastic new year and a fantastic new decade. Go in peace. Amen.